0: This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spent half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains of Central Oregon. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life, even now as a media creator and a beer professional. This is how Mountain Sea Media was born. I realized how impactful stories are to our lives and business. Stories share good experiences and the warmth of friends, they improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to episode 43 of Good Beer Matters.
1: I tend to use the word badass as kind of a catch-all for people who are um, excelling at what they do. Beer is not subtle about its connections to the larger social, cultural, political, and economic world. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What am I going to change? This is amazing.
0: This may be the most important episode I've put out thus far. It's not specifically about beer or even business. This has to do with people and the subcultures within the culture of beer. This episode is for those who appreciate that behind every beer is a complex dynamic of human interaction. These interactions run the gamut, but include big beer versus small beer, how beer is sold and distributed, history in modern society, all the way down to how we regard others that are different from us. Naturally, these issues have to do with being a good person as well as increasing sales. But how do we do that in a way that is both productive and authentic? Also, what does beer have to do with all of this? My name is Jeremy. I'm a certified Cicerone, BJCP judge, IBD certified brewer, and a beer writer. I believe the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. I believe there's a world of wisdom found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. This is Good Beer Matters. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 43 of Good Beer Matters with doctor, ambassador, and general friend of badassery, Dr. J. Nicole Jackson Beckham. doing that in beer. Uh, Sure. So, um,
1: my name is Dr. J. A. Jackson Beckham. I um, am doing too many things at the moment, uh, I will say. Uh, I am first a professor of communication studies at Randolph College, which is located in central Virginia. We're a small private liberal arts college. Um, I am also the diversity ambassador for the Brewers Association. Uh, and in that role, help the Bird Association and its membership pursue uh, diversity in both the production and consumption of this beverage we all love. Uh, in that, uh, related to that, I also do uh, consulting work through um, a consultancy called Craft Bear for All. Um, in that role, I work with um, mostly with breweries and other organizations uh, to do uh, organizational diversity planning, um, implementation, and assessment. And then last month, I launched a nonprofit organization called Craft by EDU, and we are looking to uh, champion inclusion, equity, and justice in the craft beer space through education and professional development.
0: And so, uh, after all that, what it sounds like is you just really need a hobby. Is that correct? <laughs>
1: that is that is absolutely correct. And of course, I I am a uh, happy and avid home brewer of about twelve years.
0: So <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Because there, there's always that, right? Um, yep.
1: so, yeah. So how have how you how achieved?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, and, and I don't have the uh, PhD attached to the end of my name, but I also find myself uh, saying yes to way too many things. And sometimes it can be a bad thing when it comes to family time. But um, but overall, it's just there's so many cool things to do out there. There's so many things that are deserving of our time and attention. It's hard to say no sometimes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And to be fair... Um, I am at present in a kind of time of transition. Um, as of April, I will no longer be a professor of communication studies. Um, this is my last academic year with the college, and uh, the nonprofit startup is is intended to be something of a replacement.
0: Understood. So... Um... So I guess I'm catching you at a wonderful time to get this interview, and and you know, yeah. you, can I can I say you heard it here first, or probably not, but I I might um, still say that
1: maybe actually maybe
0: or maybe you you heard it here third. <laughs> um, so one question I have for you, uh, Dr. Jay, is is uh, you know I try to do some research before these interviews, and I looked up your Twitter profile, and on there it says a friend of badassery. Yeah, <laughs> and and I I feel we need to take a little bit of time and unpack that. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I think um, like a lot of people, I tend to use the word badass as kind of a catch-all for people who are um, excelling at what they do. Which is a purely academic
0: they're... term, right? That, yeah, yeah of that course, that, course. that study is badass. That uh, <laughs> that that abstract is badass.
1: Yes, holy, holy academic terms.
0: Yes, yeah, curriculum um, vitae is badass. I, we need to hire this guy.
1: <laughs> I've always been just really fascinated with people who are good at stuff, like no matter what the stuff is, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm the person who will watch like wholly obscure sports that I've never heard of on the Olympics or, or in other spaces simply because there's someone who's taken the time to become extremely good at it.
0: You know, um, okay so yeah I, I see that way, where you're going I, I'm
1: just like yeah what what's your thing? What are you saying what do you get at and I I'm, I'm going to be interested
0: uh, you know this um, sorry I got to interject this but you know I I am uh, equally in love uh, with just those people who are passionate about anything it's like you know uh, and I th- I may have mentioned this before but um, you know if there's someone just kind of going off about the nuances of golf ball design I'm going to listen for a little bit just because you know the person is so into it or Um, someone could be singing really, really bad karaoke, but if they're super into it, I I'm going to clap. You know, there's something about someone being so into something that is kind of compelling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Wow. Um, okay. So that, uh, that, that takes care of my, uh, my most important question, your friend of the badassery, um, now let's, (laughs) I guess we can get into the meat (laughs) and potatoes, um, so, uh, again, so you, I mean, you've taken the academic route, um, you've gotten your bachelor's to master's to PhD, which I, I happen to see that you, uh, did you get your master's in San Diego? I did. I, I am yeah. a, I'm a San Diego native once upon a time. So, uh, um, I, you know, I, I, think you went to SESU, right? I did. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what a, what a wonderful place to have been from.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um and I mean I was I guess I was only there for about five or six years, but um it was a really um it was a cool place, particularly to be in kind of, you know, two thousand two, two thousand three, um uh through about two thousand seven. Um, you know, didn't didn't suck to be a person who was really interested in beer at in San Diego at that time. So.
0: Yeah, I I I think I left uh San Diego um and and really Southern California before the whole craft beer thing really really started getting some legs underneath it, but but going to like places like Gordon Beer, and other, I mean, you know, you know, ba- back in the good old days when they were called microbreweries, it was it was right, like, fantastic. Right? Um but so uh but so your academic career, you talked about um how uh, you know, you started with graphic design and you ended up doing communications and culture studies. How does that lead someone to the beer world with with that background?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's a case of kind of parallel paths that eventually emerged. Um, So uh, I was, I mean, interestingly, my my BA is in creative writing. Um, I studied English at Virginia Tech and uh, really, I think the questions that were always interesting to me is was like about people making stuff, right? How do like why do people make stuff? How does it how does it help them navigate their lives? How is it meaningful? You know, and at that time, I think it was literature and poetry that that really interested me. Um, and when I left undergrad, I took a couple years to kind of work out there in the world, and I think. Um, similarly, um, the way that people were talking about it, ideas and representing them visually, um, made me interested. And so, um, got another bachelor's degree, um, a BFA this time in graphic design, um, and have been working in the kind of marketing communication space for a little while and decided that I wanted to go back and, um, get a graduate degree and, you know, was thinking about marketing communications, um, you know, corporate storytelling, things like that, and uh, signed up for the communication studies program at SDSU um, kind of in a weird, fluky way. I, I had been living back at home. I'm from the D.C. area, and we had this stretch in 2001 that um, if you're not from D.C., you might be like, what happened in 2001? But if you are from D.C., that was kind of like... The year of 9 11, anthrax in the post office, and snipers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, I was kind of like young. I didn't have kids. I was sort of unattached and was like, yeah, where's where's the most interesting faraway place I can go? And I ended up in Southern California. Um, so when I took, when I started the program at SDSU, um, you know, I thought I was really there to kind of do corporate communication, marketing, advertising type stuff. And as part of my funding package, um, I taught, I was a TA, right. For, um, public speaking courses and kind sure. of the first time I, I taught, uh, I was like, Oh, teaching, you know, it, it kind of clicked really hard. Um, and very quickly I kind of decided that, uh, what I wanted to do was actually teach. Cause I love ideas. Um, I love, learning myself and I love helping other people do that. Uh, and so the kind of trajectory of my education was changing, um, in the background of all of this, I'm kind of developing this like really first healthy and then probably second obsessive, um, interesting craft beer. Um, I you know, I think it's just always been part of having, um, a curious and, maybe even greedy mind, you know, there, it's one of, you know, craft beer and then homebrewing, you know, become these spaces where they'll give as much as you want to take, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you can learn a little and be like, great, I'm content. Or you could just keep going down that rabbit hole and, um, craft beer and and homebrewing and all the things around them. Just, just keep giving, um, And so by the time I came back to the East Coast to start working on my Ph.D., uh, I'd been, you know, kind of neck deep in my own fandom of craft beer for a while. Um, I started working at a homebrew shop as my kind of, you know, beer money job while I was starting the Ph.D. program. And when it came time to do my dissertation work, um, you know, Finally, I was like, you know what? I've been kind of obsessively doing this other thing for, uh, you know, solid 10 years now, and I'm convinced there's more to it than just kind of sitting around drinking beer. uh, So I'm going to write my doctoral dissertation about this. Um, And so, kind of at that moment, um, the kind of beer thing and the academic thing, you know, became the same thing. And so, the cool thing is when people ask me, you know, how did you get into beer from academia? I'm like, beer is academia because I've been a craft beer researcher or American beer researcher for over a decade now.
0: And so, um, I have to admit, um, I I studied. Um well, post college, I, I decided I was going to try and go back to college and and get a master's in writing and literature, which got derailed. But I did spend a couple of years studying all that stuff, comparative literature and, and creative writing, and and um, so I, I feel a bit of kinship now uh, more so than I did. But um, you know, one of the things I absolutely loved about studying literature was it was really a survey of the human condition. I mean, you can look at it from historical perspectives, religious perspectives, um, cultural perspectives, um, uh, economic perspectives. And, and you can just look at it from these stories that, you know, if you're reading fine literature these stories are tend to be really well told if, if, uh, if they're not misunderstood, but, you know, I, I just really fell in love with, um, you know, understanding all the the sum of humanity just by reading this stuff, and then you mm-hmm. fast for, and then you fast forward, um, and and I start home brewing, and I start learning about beer, getting interested, and and I start seeing the parallels of understanding the human condition through. Uh, just through the lens of beer, but I mean, we're looking at the the cultural practices. We're looking at the just the sheer logistics of place and time, of of religion, of politics, and it all came together in just the same. Way. I look at beer like I look at literature or writing. It, it you know you have you have the summation of humanity in a bottle, um, if if you allow yourself to look at it in such a way. And and, it, and I'm guessing that you are. Uh, approaching it from a very similar perspective.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think the question that often is asked is kind of like, what is it about beer that makes it so special? And of course I can kind of go on and on and on in, in that way, but, um, the kind of other side of that coin is, um, you know, in some ways it it isn't special because it's so embedded in all of the things you're talking about, right, about cultural histories and economic trajectories and ritual and identity, right? Like it it is culture and life. Um, And I think in some ways it just happens to be, for me, one of the more interesting points of entry to look at these kind of bigger, broader issues and to ask bigger, broader questions.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think I'm also someone who really enjoys asking some of these bigger and broader questions and looking at, you know, chasing down the rabbit hole quite a ways. Um, but in the but there's there are definitely those people who for for them is, a beer is just a beer is just a beer and 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 you know the perspective that you share and I share might be might be a bit much for them and so you know one of the things that I always try to bring back is that I take from my literature classes at some point you have to ask the question so what how do you how do you answer that question when you're teaching students about communications or beer or and we'll we'll kind of use this as a segue into diversity as well. But at some point you know, we're talking about beer. So what? What do we do about that?
1: Yeah, um I think to some degree it's um my my responses are often kind of shaped by the situation or by the context, you know. Um so sometimes I think it's really worthwhile to kind of push back on so what, you know, depending on where I am and who I'm speaking to. And sometimes uh, I, it's not necessarily as urgent for me or doesn't feel as urgent uh, to push back, you know. Um, and maybe that's something that I've learned over the years, that, I, you know, I don't always have to be this kind of beer culture evangelist. Um, you know, because there's enough people who... Or picking, that, picking up what we're putting down um, to kind of keep these conversations moving and interesting and, and really enlightening and um, enriching ways. And I think for some people, you know, allowing them to kind of opt out or just not participate in the conversation when it's not the time um, is is an okay thing to do. You know, um, for me, um, when I, I think where I kind of start drawing kind of hard lines in the sand is, is when I am talking about um, the kind of work I'm doing in terms of pursuing diversity in the industry or talking about inclusion and equity and, and justice um, as we're able to affect it as members in the, in the craft beer community. Um, I think in those cases then, um, you know, I'm, I'm far more willing to push and think it's more important. Um, and in those cases, I think, you know, the, the, tactic I find myself using most is just reminding people that um, nothing occurs in a a vacuum, you know. Um, Craft beer or American beer or, you know, global beer never didn't occur in a vacuum. You know, it's subject to, you know, all sorts of other systems, whether they're ecological systems or social systems or political systems or economic systems. Um, it's, It's never been just beer, that's never existed. And, you know, I kind of try to make the statement that um, constructing this thing called just beer is actually, in itself, a really specific effort, and in my mind, one that you have to be really deliberate about making, you know, because beer is not uh, subtle about its connections to the larger... Social, cultural, political, and economic world. I mean, we we come from a country where you know prohibition is less than a hundred years in the past, and that's such a complicated historical, political, economic formation. Um, and and that's not a quiet thing. Um, and I think in lots of I mean, lots of countries all over the world have similar types of histories. Whether you look into their tax codes or. Uh, different laws about trade uh you know you see the kind of traces of beer connections everywhere and to to kind of have a a just beer you have to really do a lot of willful unseeing uh or you know cutting off of these connections so that you can do so in a vacuum i find interestingly that harder for me to do than to have the bigger questions and conversations
0: well and and uh if we just look at beer styles, you know, j- just looking at how the styles manifested, I mean, we can see a clear lineage of of people having to step outside of their immediate community, both both physical and and um, uh, uh, just the the emotional or uh, uh, mental community of of just uh, this these are my people and you have to step out to hey well if we need to sell beer we need to take this english porter and take it up north and now they're making it stronger for the trip and now it's imperial porter russian imperial porter and uh, now the people in the baltic states are using a lager and now we got baltic porter you know if if you follow those lines of 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 just taking beer and wanting to expand it outward it kind of forces you to um, acknowledge that there have been, uh, both good and maybe even bad, uh, um, collisions of, of community, of cultures, of, and so there's a clear line that there's a clear history of that. This is just how things have always been. Why, why is it more of a conversation now than it was back then? Or am I way off on this?
1: No, I I think it is more of a conversation now. Um, I I think I can only really answer from the kind of academic standpoint, but I know when I started doing, you know, my dissertation work about the brewing industry and was looking for, you know, other people to kind of see who had started these conversations and who was, um, taking this, this line of history seriously, uh, it was hard to find people, right? Um, It was hard to find work. I mean, there was um, really notably, um, Maureen Ogle's Ambitious Brew um, was out, Um, Middleman's History, uh, you know, but there's really just like a handful of people who were, you know, looking, well, I'll back up. Not people who are writing about history because I think there's a fair number of kind of trade books or um, industry histories, but I'm talking kind of more broadly about people who were making the connection between brewing history and, you know, larger cultural histories, particularly in the U.S. Um, there, There just seemed like there weren't a ton of people sustaining that conversation. And I think it did take something of a critical mass to kind of tip that Tip that ball um, and get things kind of rolling. And now I think we're just at the point where uh, it's no longer weird or strange to kind of take this particular cultural artifact um, seriously. Um, And it's interesting because I think that might have had a lot to do with the way that um, American beer was marketed in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s as being, like, singularly uncomplicated, Mm. Right. Um, Right. Once you look at, at the kind of taste great, less filling wars, um, that, if you can think about that advertising think about that branding and positioning of those products, you know, they are positioned to be intentionally uncomplicated, unfussy. Yes. Um, and so to some degree, I think we had to kind of get over this general perception of beer as a, you know, Super simplistic product, um, and uh, you know maybe that actually speaks to the efficacy of that branding and that advertising. Um, but I think we had to kind of un- undo some of that to to be able to kind of move forward with those more complex conversations.
0: Well, and speaking of, and you know, I, of course, we could I could sit in a class and where you lectured for hours and hours on just diversity and just go go with it. So I'll I'll try to make sure I gear this diversity discussion within the world of beer but since you brought up that uh Taste great less filling miller light commercial I, I remember watching those and my memories are not vivid of of that but you know that was a time when when um you know uh, we're trying to bring the country back together um like 1980 i think it was and uh we st- you know the whole vietnam war was still uh fresh in everyone's mind and, and just the the polarization of, of what that caused to our country, and it, it seemed like everyone was just trying to just try to take a page from the uh, the British and, you know, put a stiff upper lip, but do an American version of it. And, you know, let's make everything just look wonderful and shiny and happy again. But, of course, it wasn't really so.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: That's um right. And 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 so, but like you said, they were just trying to show one simple simple image of a very very complex American culture because um, you know we are the melting pot. But you know, well let me let me fast forward today. I mean, I turn on my uh, um, local news radio, and and we still to the, uh, this day it's like you can't go a week without hearing about another violent crime or anything, um, racially motivated and, 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 stuff like that. And so when we start talking about diversity, it's, there's so many things we could talk about. We could talk about race. We could talk about religion. We could talk about, uh, gender and orientation and all this sort of stuff. It seems, mm-hmm. it seems to me that those are just, those are like the obvious buzzwords that everyone is hearing today, but it seems like it, it can go much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. so what really manifests what what are what are some of the things that we need to think about in terms of the beer world these days
1: yeah i think um so for me there's kind of two two complementary ways that i think about the intersection of beer and um for lack of a better word um diversity right um one i think that uh Craft beer and then the kind of industry of um, both brewers and uh, allied trade and then the kind of attendant culture around craft beer are um, represent a, a space and a community that I've, I'm just very committed to and passionate about. Um, and, you know, I think on a very basic level, it's something that has been really rewarding in my life and, and I want everybody to feel like they have access. And when they do have access, I want everyone to to have the experience that they, that they can't, you know, the, the positive experience that they can. Um, and if they don't, you know, and it's not for them, that's fine, right? people have the right to walk away or to not be interested, but I'm interested in making sure there aren't any barriers um, that don't have to be there. On the, on the flip side, I think craft beer, particularly as an industry, but also as a culture, is uniquely positioned to be a vehicle to address some of the broader inequities in American society right now. Um, and this is probably what's most heavily driving um, my decision to start Craft by EDU, the nonprofit. Um, you know, when we look at the fact that you know eighty-five percent of Americans are within ten miles of a craft brewer, we understand that this is a, an industry and in a kind of economic formation that is truly national. Um, it's not a kind of nationally distributed industry that happens to be concentrated in a few cities. Even though obviously we have variations in concentration, this but this is actually. Mm-hmm geographically dispersed industry. And that is honestly fairly rare. Um, And I think it's an industry that has an an enormous number of points of industry uh, entry uh, for people seeking career oriented employment. Um, You know, there is a solid job for you in craft beer, whether you have a PhD or a GED, and I think um, that's also a really interesting tool to work with. When we start talking through some of the dynamics of how craft breweries operating at the kind of hyper-local and even the regional level um, contribute to neighborhood and community resiliency, not only economically, but on a couple of other uh, dimensions, you're you're, you're talking about a, a really really interestingly specialized tool to make positive change through. Um, and you know, when we, when talking about, um, diversity, uh, I think that's the piece that I get most excited about. And, you know, some might find it ironic because that's not really about, um, particular identity conditions, right? That's not about racial identity or ethnic identity or sexual orientation. It's about, um, for me, kind of thinking about larger conditions of systemic justice and working toward those ends. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me, that's always thats always kind of my approach to having a diversity conversation, and, um, you know, its it's a tough one because I actually – really dislike the word diversity, um, (laughs) even though it's kind of what I do. Um, But, you know, diversity as a a word, it it really just means a kind of numerical assessment of a condition, but it really doesn't give you any sort of qualitative understanding of what's going on, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And I'm less interested in the numerical assessment. I'm interested in the kind of qualitative experience of of inclusion and in, of equity and of justice. And I, and I deeply believe that if you are um, committed to the pursuit of those three things, um, diversity is an inevitable outcome.
0: And, and it seems to me that, you know, uh, unlike other beverages, beer is one of those things. Um, it, you know, I'm sure sports and music would be other uh, complementary things. Uh, 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 entry points, but beer is one of those entry points where someone uh, you know—you mentioned you know—someone with a PhD could have a conversation with someone with a GED over a beer. Someone from different cultures, you know. Here I am, a, a white guy with a beard and bald head in Oregon, and 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 you don't look anything like me, and you're on the other side of the country, but you and I could have this conversation over beer. But the question I have though is. Uh, while beer can bring people together it also seems there are times when it will automatically start separating people out and uh, particularly with this craft beer conversation of you know having this person who's drinking uh the classic macro american light lager and i've got something barrel aged and really dark are are we going to have is that beer going to bring us together just because it's beer or how did what are the what are the things to consider in that regard
1: yeah um you know i think at least when you talk about craft there's certainly going to be you know i call it kind of the the politics of expertise um that are going to kind of be an operation there right um because we i think those of us in this community are heavily invested we we invest a lot in our decisions you know and the decisions of others um I think it can be at times, um, a boon, right. It gets us into kind of interesting conversations and we think about innovation and we're always kind of asking ourselves questions about what it is we're doing and why. Um, and you're right at times it can be, um, divisive and, um, you know, can require an energy sink when maybe we could be <laughs> investing that energy in doing other things. Um, but I think ultimately that's not going to be significant enough um, you know, to over, or it's not going to be significant enough to eradicate like, some of the things we do that, that kind of draw us together more closely. And, um, but I, I, I also don't think that's going away anytime soon.
0: It, and that seems like that is a generality. I mean, so we we talked about how I, I grew up in San Diego, and you did some graduate work in San Diego, and that is a town full of diversity, and you've you've got um, pockets of, of people from all over the world that live there. Um, but and it's been a while since I've lived there. But in big cities like that, I, I've also noticed that that there tend to be pockets of like people that happen to live near pockets of other. Uh, like people but but it isn't just a free for all um uh inclusion generally speaking and please correct me if i'm wrong on this but uh d- does that does that speak to an underlying issue or does that speak to an underlying solution
1: uh yeah i'm that's a good question and i'm not I'm not really sure you know um i mean i think Interestingly enough, one of the things that really drove me to start thinking about beer um, from an academic space was um, the tendency of people to self-segregate when it comes to their watering holes, Mm. right? Um, I was, you know, happily one of these people that um, kind of had a number of different circles of associations and friends and, um, you know... Each kind of circle of friends that I hung out with kind of had its own place to drink. Um, and I, you know, at times, you know, I might hit more than one in a night, right? Uh, and well, it would be I've, kind
0: I've of never done that. Almost,
1: yeah, <laughs> never ever. Never ever. Um, <laughs> you know, it almost, there was a point, at some point, there's almost feelings of culture shock, right? Going from one from one bar or brew or brew pub to another and kind of finding an entirely different group of people, um, with different interests. And sometimes, um, from completely different racial ethnic groups, Mm -hmm. right? Just, you know, entirely different people. And I, uh, you know, I always had the thought in the back of my head, you know, is this what people naturally do because they're doing it in leisure? Um, because if they did this in the professional world, we would call it out immediately. Right?
0: Um, and what what do you mean that by always, that? I'm sorry, but what, uh, what do you mean by that? If, yeah, if we did, if, you
1: know, I, I think uh, if there if the kind of self segregation that I see um, in different bars with people attending were different workforces at different companies, right? And they were so clearly. Um, segregated into groups in these ways, I think people would look at it and be like, that's problematic. Mm. Um, But what was happening in like our kind of neighborhood places to drink, nobody really thinks about it. Um, And it really both interested and bothered me Um, because I, you know, I was kind of wrestling with this question. Like, do people just naturally gravitate towards likeness in a way that um, will always kind of cyclically result in kind of inequity, right? Um, and I think part, part of me was like, well, you know, maybe this isn't just natural behavior, right? Maybe this is something about the spaces or the products or the way that this, you know, um, community positions itself, the way it, Trades information, the things it chooses to value and the things it doesn't. Um, and I think that's really when I, you know, when I started kind of thinking seriously about craft beer's culture and how um, maybe some of what it does or how it's valued things or how it trades information um, has been a contributor to the people who tend. Right. To gravitate toward it, both as drinkers and producers. Um, So I think, you know, maybe that's the kind of central line of of observation and thinking that got me to where I am today.
0: Well, and I wonder if um, if we were to take the uh, uh, Cheers philosophy, the TV show Cheers, where, you know, there are Mm -hmm. times when we just want to go where everyone knows your name. Um, you know, in in college, I, I went to college in Southern California, so I was hanging out with all of my lifeguard buddies and my sports buddies, and and we probably had the same darn conversation every week that we had the week before, because um, there's a there's a little bit of feeling this sense of feeling at home um, when you, when you're hanging out with your your group, your 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 friend, your your places that you've just decided this is mine for whatever reason, but. But then, getting into the beer world not as a consumer but the beer world as a professional um whether brewing or doing podcasts or or educating people then it 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 seems to it seems to uh become more problematic when you're like nope this is this is what I do this is who I do it with, and this is where I'm gonna do it and you know are are there what's the word I'm looking for um are are is there some um forgiveness as far as like hey this, we're th- we're just trying to find a, a like a sense of place versus we need to uh deliberately just be inclusive and 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 serve everyone equally what's the conversation behind that um well
1: tell me a little bit more about what you mean in a sense of forgiveness i
0: guess that's the part well, that's I, thinking through. well so when we I mean, when we talk about where as a consumer, I'm going to go to this place that I that I usually go. I'm probably drink the same two beers, and I'm going to hang out with my friends. Um, but you know, the group of people sitting a table away from us, I don't I don't know them. It, whatever, for whatever reason, you know, I'm going to talk to the friends that I know because we already have a relationship. The And that's, and maybe that's just because it's easy. Um, But the -hmm. the table next to us, unless we're watching a ball, uh, you know, a ball game and then that, you know, as long if we're rooting for the same team, we're probably gonna be best friends by the end of the night. Um, But, you know, that's a, that's just a a different group that I don't know. And, and so that's, that's harder to go and just meet someone as if you have your people there. But, but if I am working at a distributor or a brewery, and I have people coming to drink my beer or to buy my beer, then it's my job to make them feel welcome. Yeah, that's right. And, and so from that point, it, how does the diversity conversation diverge given those two vastly different experiences?
1: Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, I don't know that it diverges that much, right? Um, I think surely there is a divergence when you talk about the question of responsibility, um, because, you know, the, the uh, question I often get asked, you know, why is this, you know, fill in the blanks responsibility to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think when you're talking about your, uh, consumer, I think it's a, you know, a difficult call to try to kind of saddle the consumer with responsibility, um, when it comes to their treatment of other consumers. Now, I think they have a responsibility to act ethically and humane, and I applaud, you know, the breweries out there who are kind of making clear their standards for behavior and conduct in their spaces um, to make sure everyone feels safe um, and don't fall victim to things like, you know, sexual harassment or any other type of uh, harassment. Um But I think when you're talking about, you know, someone who works in the industry, um, certainly the responsibility shifts, right? Um, And this is um, something that I think probably has been taken at least somewhat seriously for quite a while. But um, right now, is, is front and center in the conversation because, you know, the financial exigencies of the market suggest that. You know, if you are in this business, you right now need to make cultivating new markets and recruiting new customers a priority. Um, You know, and I don't kind of suffer any illusions that there is a, quote, wrong reason uh, to do this type of work. Um, if, If it is kind of tightening of the market and financial pressures that get us to start having this conversation... You know, I'm not going to look that gift horses mouth um, because it's a conversation I think needs to happen. Um, but again, beer is a bubble. and um, it's a bubble that we often try to conceptualize with hard boundaries, but just like any other bubble, right that those boundaries are much more porous and much more fragile than we might you know suggest they are. And when you think about craft breweries and other craft beer businesses as um, contributors to their communities, you know, um, that responsibility takes on a whole, new, a whole new tenor, right? It's not just about um, selling beer to people and making people feel comfortable in a tap room. It's about um, the ways that a business serves as a contributing member, Um to a community of people regardless of whether they drink beer. And I think w- when we think about breweries in this way, um, it's a lot easier to kind of see uh, why someone operating with a t- kind of sense of community ethics or even civic responsibility uh, will think about these questions um, seriously and take them up.
0: And, and so that, that's a perfect segue because I, I kind of want to talk about the, uh, the role of marketing in our beer industry too. And and, you know, everyone is uh, so the, the question I have is just really about authenticity. And, and you you look at like uh, uh, corporate photos uh, where there's a blonde woman, a black man and an um, Asian woman. And, and, you know, you've got every every gender, every color, hair, and then they're all in the same group. And, and I think that's wonderful, but it doesn't feel real you know you know that they're just trying to fit like check all the boxes um and 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 now we're you know we're going to start expanding that to uh gender transitions and and don't forget hey we need one we need a guy in a wheelchair for this photo shoot so you know mark that off as well um and and i and i think that's great but but and we know that that's not that's not legit. That it wasn't just like the, the photographer showed up one day. was like, hey, look who's here, um, <laughs> right, right. And so, is, is does that help? Uh, back to my earlier question: Does that help solve the problem, or does that help uh, continue the problem?
1: Okay, so that particular scenario probably not, right? Um, the, like the photo op or the like, you know, the circa nineteen ninety two Benetton commercial. Um, <laughs> Right, like yeah, yeah. we can all we, we can all kind of see that and say, yeah, okay, great, but no, right. Um, but that doesn't mean that you know visibility and representation aren't good in marketing. Um, I would just you know say like, hey, you might have to uh, make some relationships and go um, get out in the community so that you have you know a reason to take a photo that looks like that, right?
0: Um, Yeah, because I I, I don't want to see another one of those photos. I I want to hear a good story. I want to hear a good story behind that.
1: That's right, right? Um, Yeah, and I think that's – maybe that's kind of a really, really important metaphor for, like, where we are and how we can think through this conversation, right? Like, are you going to take the the stock photo approach to be more inclusive, or are you going to do the hard work of – you know, building a relationship so that these people are in your proximity, so that they're just in your photos, right? Um, and I think clearly that secondary route is the one I'm working for, but it takes it takes a while, right? Like you can't just schedule the photo shoot; you have to do you have to do the lead up work, um, and I think that's the hard part of what we're doing. You know.
0: Hmm. And and coming from just a the logistics of sales and numbers and whether you're a distributor brewery, well, if you were to grab your jockey box in your tent and go to some beer festival in Beertown Northwest, um, chances are you're going to have hundreds of people who want to try your beer. If you go to a place that is... You know, uh, uh, where macro lagers uh, are king, or or cultures that don't drink beer at all, just for the attempt to say, hey, I want to reach out uh, to say this is what we have, and I want to connect, but that is likely not going to result in peak sales, or you know, it it won't it won't fulfill the uh, the the money counters um, or the bean counters bottom line. Is that something that
1: probably I'm not immediately? But is that something that still needs to happen? I'm sorry, say that again.
0: Is that still something that really needs to happen in our business? Is just reaching out and going out into this quote unquote un- oh, uncharted it. territory? Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, I have had some really candid conversations with um, some of my clients, sales reps, and. You know, they have these are really um, specific and serious concerns, right? like I I don't believe I can get you know profitable accounts on this type of uh, this part of town or I am nervous about walking into this particular establishment center I have no, you know, no history here and I don't know folks and I look like I don't belong here, right um, I think you know, as much as we can have really the kind of high-minded conversations about the, the necessity to do this and the, the kind of ethics behind it, there are some really kind of nuts and bolts fears and reservations about this. Um, and we have a lot of preconceived notions that, um, you know, are really, really difficult to dislodge. I mean, I, I'm not really sure how many times I have heard people justify um, not making the reach specifically to urban black and brown communities because the assumption is that either one, uh, these are communities that don't need uh, the introduction of more alcohol for their own good, or they are communities who don't have the financial or economic resources to buy craft beer, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, and I'm actually writing about this right now. Um, these are two arguments that are, um, really deeply entrenched and actually, um, don't have any basis (laughs) in empirical fact, right? Um, you know, I think if, if we were worried about, you know, pathological drinking that could do damage to a community, then we'd stop selling craft beer on college campuses. Yes. Um, Right. I mean, and we only pathologize alcohol with certain communities and that's problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, But secondarily, uh, this idea that, you know, these communities are priced out also doesn't bear itself out when we just look at other product markets, um, whether clothes or cars or cell phones or, by the way, spirits. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We can look at our friends in the spirits industry and they have you know, not adopted the same posture of paternalism um, that craft beer often adopts. And, you know, they sell Hennessy just fine.
2: Um,
1: Premium liquors do just fine. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it proves that people are going to make their own value choices and they're going to decide to buy what they want when they find it to be worthwhile. Um, And we don't have to worry about... uh, making that decision for people, right? Let's, let's give them the opportunity to make it for themselves.
0: Then what what advice would you give to those, to those folks who do want to reach across the beer aisle, so to speak, um, and, and, and actually just share a beer, whatever that beer may be. It's really not important, but share a beer, share an experience, share a story with someone who doesn't look, act, or drink like us.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, like, it's going to take a little bit of work, right, Um, you know, especially in communities that have history, right, Um, and I think, excuse me, that that have history, you know, and maybe unpleasant histories, Um, you know, I think there has to be a little bit of a willingness to Say something like, um, this community has been isolated or uh, marginalized, or we're on the wrong end of some sort of you know, historical problem. Maybe there was a freeway that got put through this city, and folks on the other side of the freeway really got screwed. I mean, that happened in almost every city, right? Yeah.
2: Um,
1: you know, to kind of accept that um, history happened, um, context matters and that you may not have contributed to it, but people may still have residual suspicion or hurt as a result of it. Right. Um, and being the person that kind of says I accept, uh, and I'm going to realize that like, um, forming this relationship is just going to take a little bit more work, but I'm going to, f- but it's going to be worth it. Right. um, and, and I think that piece that, that you know, is this is going to require work. This is, I think, a, a particularly sticky win sometimes for craft beer because, you know, let's face it, craft beer for the last 30 years has been really shiny and exciting and hasn't really had to do much reaching, you know, because people are lining up, you know, people are lining up to buy beer. People are... Lining up to buy tickets, people are saying, "Yes, of course, I'll come work at your at your brewery for free because I maybe want to get a sort of okay-paying job one day, mm-hmm. right? Or okay, sure, I'll work here without health benefits, but fine, you know." Um, Just let me in, <laughs> right? Like we we ha- we as an industry haven't had to do a lot of reaching, and then uh, now, you know, you have people like me running around saying, you know, not only do you have to reach, you have to make a difficult reach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know, you know, what I'm selling isn't necessarily the, the easiest thing to swallow. Um, but I think, you know, for the future of the industry, I think it's it's an important step that we're going to have to take.
0: And that seems to be not, t- not dissimilar from what craft brewers have been doing all along is saying, okay, this is this is the beer that you accept as this tastes like beer, but we have something better we want to introduce you to. And it seems that using beer, again, as that metaphor, is we have the opportunity to, okay, to hang out with the people that are just like you uh, is going to be easy. But if you reach out and try something a little bit more different, a little bit more interesting, it could get better. And that that's a similar conversation between macro and craft.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I and I acknowledge that this is hard and I acknowledge that there is a really terrifying potential to mess it up, you know. Um and if you mess it up then like um right like the Twitter baddies are gonna come and excoriate you. Oh yeah.
2: Um,
1: I get that. Um but I also, you know, I've said this before too, again with, with craft beer kind of being a repository of metaphors, um I know that's a scary proposition, but I think that buying six figures worth of stainless steel that's going to depreciate, like, significantly the second you install it
2: mm-hmm.
1: is also terrifyingly risky. Um, and I'm kind of like, if you can do that, then you can, you can walk into an account with somebody who doesn't think or look or drink like you and try to sell them some beer.
0: And and that is and being being able or willing to take that risk to buy that much stainless steel to start brewing beer to walk into that strange account to me you know I'm going to use your phrase that that's just a level of badassery that uh, people need to uh, strive for. And many many people have, but I think many more people need to say, okay, we did this. What's next? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, God, I've, I've got other questions I'd love to ask you, but for the sake of time, I'm going to start winding down, but I do want to, um, uh, end just like the, the meat and potatoes of the conversation is, is there anything that, that you wanted to uh, get across or address, uh, during this conversation that I didn't uh, ask you?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, it's just been a kind of fun back and forth
0: well, and and, and 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 I I suspected that an hour was not going to be enough for a conversation uh, of of this magnitude. So hopefully, it's just the beginning of a uh, larger conversation. But um, uh, but we we can circle back around to that if something pops in your head, uh, you, you get free reign. But um, so now i I get to use my uh, magic uh, beer wand and you and make you queen of the beer world for the day. What are you okay. gonna, What are you going to change?
1: Oh my gosh! (laughs) What am I gonna change? This is amazing. Um, All right, this is this is also really difficult. Um, All right, I think that some focus is going to be shifted toward um, improving some infrastructure for folks that are uh already in the category are newly in the category uh who may be undercapitalized or struggling struggling um technically to uh up their games and um you know kind of hit hit their strides um i think everybody is getting a lab so a quality (laughs) lab um (laughs) mass spectrometry for everyone. Um, or maybe some new businesses are are entering the segment. Like, um, I don't know, like mobile quality labs or, um, we just need more people with microscopes looking at beer. Um,
0: interesting. So your first, (laughs) Um, your first act as the queen as we go straight into science.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, I just, yeah, I want I want to I want everybody to kind of have the tools they need to make the beer that's already out there better, right? All right. Um, we we focus a ton on we're still focusing a lot on entrance to the industry, and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of people here already. Let's yeah. Let's look at making everything better. Um, I think um, yeah. Second second wave of the wand is we're going to grow HR as a function in the industry specifically. Um, and I don't mean like payroll, right? Um, Which that, that wouldn't suck
0: either, but you know, to to, yeah, to so, grow uh, to grow payroll, you
1: know, yeah. So no, i mean payroll's good, but I think you know when I think when people hear HR, they're like, oh, the person who does payroll, you know. And I mean HR like the person who does um, employee development yes. and uh, who you know thinks about employee experience and makes sure everyone's well and. Um, thinks about things like benefits and, uh, you know, health insurance and things like that. Um, so, I, you know, I want those who are working in the industry to be um, to be taken care of, you know. I, I don't have numbers on this, but I would be willing to wager that uh, we have disproportionately fewer HR professionals in craft beer than in comparable industries.
0: Interesting. Um, so
1: yeah, I would do that. Um, and and then three, and this might be, uh, this might be a little controversial, but three, um, I would just get rid of the lactose, no
0: lactose, no lactose. (laughs) lactose. Well, the the queen hath spoken. So, um, and, and as a subject of the crown, I might add to, uh, just doing a better job of internal, uh, culture. Um, uh, and, and and I don't think it's just the beer biz that suffers from this. But I think everyone could improve upon internal culture and better leadership um, and understanding of what that means and and how and how healthy it ought to be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um. Uh. So then, uh, we go from being queen to your last day on earth. Um, if you had the ability to choose your very last meal and your very last beer before you depart the earth, what would they be?
1: All right, the the food. My last meal. Um, I, I'm kind of a notorious grazer, so um, I, I don't know. I often don't think about like put together meals, but like random things I would like to eat. Um, and I think um, cheese would have to be involved. I like um, like very sharp cheese or aged cheeses. Mm. So something along those lines. um, Cheese would have to be involved. Uh, And then when I think about cheese, like I love drinking beer that kind of provides contrast to cheese. Um, So something quite dry would be really rad. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, rye, um, probably because of the dryness it contributes. um, And I'm a huge fan of saison. So I think maybe like, A bone dry kind of mixed firm saison with some like really, you know, old, lovely Gouda would be perfect.
0: Oh, nice, nice, and 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 then we can go to heaven. Um, That's it. Yeah. Um, so uh, God, there's a there's a lot of ways you could approach this next question. I'm just going to leave it completely open and just see where you take it. But um, in your in your estimation, why does good beer matter?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a, that's such a great question. Um, I think good beer matters because in it we can see some of the things that are not only best kind of about ourselves, and I mean ourselves, meaning humanity, um, but also some of the things that are most easily accomplished, right? Um, So in good beer, we can, you know, take part in and appreciate beauty. Um, We can kind of explore the fullness of our senses, right? All of our senses. Um, We can think about um, commensality and what it means to belong and to think about togetherness. Um, We can explore time, both thinking back and forward, um, because culinary histories and and culinary innovation do this kind of, you know, inherently. Um, And we can think about what it means to be, you know, expert and skilled and to kind of accomplish something sublime, um, either through repetition or accident. So I think... You know, it's important because not, not all of us are going to become, you know, neurosurgeons or um, have a painting hanging hanging in the net or, um, you know, do something that relies upon scarcity or um, talent or things along that, that most of us won't have access to. But, but beer is, is in its way kind of this great accessible leveler and i think if anything that the kind of macro giants did in the 70s and 80s and framing beer is kind of the every person's drink um maybe they, they got that that part right, right. Um, and i won't begrudge them that one
0: no there's a lot of things that they did right um and in all the stuff that we regard as having been quote unquote wrong um, they're. I'm learning now that there's a lot of reasons why those things are the way they are, and so it's. Yeah, it, It's uh, it, you know it's kind of like um, you know th- this is now considered wrong or less desirable or you know we we may criticize this, but there's a reason behind it, and you have to respect the history, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, sure. And I mean, honestly, my first two waves of that wand, um, you know, quality and professional human resources are something
0: that those folks have been doing really well for a long time. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, for anyone who's listening, uh, if they want to learn more about you, your work, um, and, uh, especially about, um, I'm sorry, you said, uh, craft by edu and, mm-hmm. and, uh, craft beer for all, uh, where can they go to connect and learn?
1: Sure. Um, so I spend probably way too much time on Twitter. Um, that uh, is Jay Nicole Beckham uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can learn a bit more about the consulting work I do at craftbeerforall.com and about the new nonprofit at craftbyedu.org. Uh, and beyond that, um, I would just say uh, keep an eye out. I travel quite frequently. I'm. Um, putting together the 2020 travel schedule right now and we'll be all over the country. I love sitting down for conversations, both casual and in-depth. Um, and would love to grab a beer with anybody who wants to chat.
0: Well, and I would love to, uh, put myself on that list as well at, uh, when our schedules and, and, and locales collide. But, um, uh, so really easy or hard last question, but, um, kind of what we, uh, what I offered before, do you have anything, uh, any parting words of wisdom, anything else you want to address?
1: Uh, I'll, 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 give you the parting words I often leave, um, when I speak to groups, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm thinking about, um, questions of inclusion, questions of equity, questions of, of justice and how it relates to the craft beer community, I'm not talking about creating special programs, special beers, or special initiatives for special people. What I'm really talking about is a mode of kind of everyday operation and everyday interaction that improves the quality of experience in our community for absolutely everyone. It just so happens that by doing so you'll be removing barriers and resolving inequities that have dif- disproportionately affected some. But I genuinely believe the things that I'm talking about improve the experience for everybody.
0: So a sort of sustainable betterment of the species type of... Absolutely. Wonderful. Dr. Jay. thank you so much uh, for letting me... Um, uh, kind of be a part of this uh, first class of a, a larger lecture on uh, a survey <laughs> of diversity. Uh, um, I, like I mentioned, I I knew, I knew this could last um, for a whole semester or more, but, um, but thank you for just kind of laying down a little framework of, of how to think about this and, uh, and, and how we can begin to start moving forward in a more sustainable way.
1: Absolutely. Um, it was, a, it was a complete pleasure and uh, a blast talking to you, Jeremy. And I hope that we can continue this conversation in the very near future.
0: Absolutely. Uh, uh, only if there's beer involved. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
1: Take care.
0: Craft beer once began with pioneers who convinced us that there was something better. Now that craft beer has a firm place in the world, perhaps now is the time for us to use beer as a herald to pioneer something better within our society. Join us in the next episode when we head down under and finally learn the real Australian word for beer. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together. But it's also about better appreciation of the beer you enjoy. I believe better education leads to better enjoyment. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, then please subscribe to Good Beer Matters and visit me at goodbeermatters.net. After that, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers.